You're listening to Pushing the Odds on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Live from the CG Sportsbook inside the Palms Casino Resort in Las Vegas, powered by O'Reilly Auto Parks and Quicken Loans. Here's your host, Matt Peralt. All right, let's pick back up with the boxing conversation with Michael Montero, writer for Ring Magazine and Boxing Monthly Magazine here on Pushing the Odds. Michael, Matt Peralt, how are you? Hey, what's up, Matt? Thanks for having me on again, brother. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Okay, let's start with the Canel Alvarez news that he has vacated the WBO 175-pound title. Uh, so the Kovalev fight is a one-off like we thought it was going to be. But are, are you surprised that he is is not going to, at least right now, not going to be at 175? There was thought you know, during fight week people were saying maybe this is where Canelo wants to be. He wants to stay at 175 to see what else is out there. No, I'm not surprised at all, Matt. I mean, a lot of us thought that this was going to kind of be a one-off where he jumped up real quick to – honestly, Sergey Kovalev in his prime was the light heavyweight champ of the world, but he's far past that now. And he was seen as the weakest of the current names, the current title holders in that division. The best fighter right now at light heavyweight is Arthur Beterbiev, and I don't think Canelo Alvarez wants any piece of him. He, he's a monster. He's in his physical prime. He's much bigger and stronger than Canelo. So this was kind of a brand-building thing. Uh, go up and get another title in another weight class. And at some point, Canelo probably will go back up to light heavyweight. But there are bigger fights for him right now financially, bigger names at 160, 168, that are much more winnable fights for him. So this move really didn't surprise anybody. All right, so Bud Crawford did what Bud Crawford does. He went and fought a guy that wasn't up to snuff, although the fight was interesting on Saturday. It was a little more competitive than I think most people, including myself, thought it was going to be, but Bud Crawford ultimately with a ninth-round knockout over the weekend. What's next for him? I mean, who, who should he fight, and who can he entice to fight him is maybe the better question. Yeah, that is the better question because – Right now, he's on the wrong side of the street politically, Matt. He's with Top Rank and ESPN, and all the premier welterweights are with premier boxing champions over on Fox with Al Heyman, and they're all fighting each other. They're doing this kind of round-robin thing. And Bud Crawford is seen by many as the best welterweight in the world, including myself. I think he's the best one. But you can't get fights with those guys because they want to keep the, everything in-house promotionally and fight each other while he kind of gets older. So they're kind of playing the waiting game with him. Fortunately for Bud Crawford, there is one PBC welterweight, Sean Porter, mm. who has talked about possibly fighting Terrence Crawford. And his promoter, Bob Arum, has talked about making that fight. So we may just see a fight between Crawford and Porter in 2020. That's a big fight if it happens. And then also there are a couple of fighters at junior welterweight right now that I think will be moving up in the future. One is Jose Carlos Ramirez. He is a unified champion. He has two of the belts at 140. He will likely be moving up to 147 at some point in the future, maybe in 2020. He's also promoted by top rank. And he's a big star in Northern California where he's from. He does sellout crowds in his hometown. And, of course, Crawford does in his hometown of Omaha, Nebraska. So, when those two fight, probably in the middle in Las Vegas, I think that will do numbers. So there are options there. It's just going to take a while to make them happen. You know, I'm a little bit of a unique person because I worked in Omaha for five years. So 
I, I have heard of the Terrence Crawford buzz for a long time. I understand the passion the city has. I understand what the Chai Center looks like, sounds like, and feels like when Bud Crawford is, is fighting. But in, in terms of the nation, I mean, what does Crawford have to do to get the attention of the, of the boxing world and or the, just the general public where his name, I mean, he is such an electric fighter, but it doesn't feel like the world knows that. Yeah, man, it's all about opponents. I, I literally just tweeted right before the show the, the ratings for his fight last weekend against Stigadijas Kavaliauskas. Try saying that name three times. Nope, fast. that's why I didn't uh, say it. <laughs> it peaked at like 1.6 million on ESPN, and that's down over a million from his last fight on regular ESPN against Jose Benavidez, which did 2.8 million. So it's a lot about opponents. And, you know, Jose Benavidez, he brought in the Mexican-American fan base. That's the biggest fan contingency in the United States for boxing. So he just needs the opponents. He needs to fight. Again, I mentioned Jose Carlos Ramirez. That will do ratings. Mm. But even Sean Porter, these are good fights for him. But the fight that can really cross him over to the next stratosphere would be against Errol Spence or Manny Pacquiao. Manny Pacquiao wants absolutely no part of Terrence Crawford, and you almost can't blame him at this yeah. point in his career. The name is Errol Spence, but he had a bad car accident earlier this year, and we don't know how he's going to look if and when he ever comes back to the ring. All right, so on the undercard of that Crawford fight was Tiafimo Lopez, who is 22 years old, who is absolutely electric. But is Loma next for him? Or is, is, is that that they were in the ring taking a picture with each other after the fight? Is, is, is that a fight we're going to see in 2020? That's absolutely going to happen. And it's going to happen next for both fighters, probably in April. That's the date that they're shooting for. So Vasily Lomachenko has three of the four titles at lightweight. And Tiafima Lopez now has one of the titles with his huge, huge win uh, over Richard Comey. Really a statement-making win for him. Saturday in New York. That fight is absolutely happening sometime in April. Venue and all that is yet to be determined. I can't wait for that one, Matt. I, that, to me, now look, we've, we've got the rematch between Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury happening February 22nd. That's definitely going down. That's the first big fight of the year, but the fight that I'm actually looking forward to the most is that one between Lomachenko and Lopez. That's huge. Please tell me it's going to happen in Vegas. Please. <laughs> Please, <laughs> it's very possible for Vegas. It's very, very possible. And, well, you know, Wilder uh, Fury. That's yes. probably they still haven't determined yet the venue, but that's probably going to happen in Vegas too. Yeah, it sounds like either MGM, T-Mobile Arena, or I think they, I think they're waiting to see what ticket sales are going to look like before they actually declare which venue. It sounds like the Garden Arena might be the site for it, but that's a smaller, much smaller arena, seven thousand compared to what you can do at T-Mobile Arena with how many fans you can put in there for an event. But you know, the, Lomachenko is a guy that look. I, I know he's not a household name yet, but. He's in the Matrix. His footwork is just crazy. Like, he's just so much fun. But Lopez is so fast. I mean, who do you favor in that fight? You know, that's, that's the million-dollar question everybody's been asking me all week. My phone's been blowing up since Saturday night. Uh, you know, look, Tiafimo Lopez is very explosive. He's, he's very uh, – just he has those twitchy muscles. You know, his punches are concussive. However, he's taking a quantum leap in opposition – from Richard Comey to Vasily Lomachenko. And even though 
Lopez is the physically stronger person. Like he's probably going to have to move up in weight and leave the lightweight division by the end of next year. He's outgrowing that division. Lomachenko is probably going to move down in weight mm. because he's really a featherweight that fights as a lightweight. So even though Lopez is a stronger guy, just in terms of, as you said, Matt, the matrix, the footwork, the, the skill set, He's, this is like playing high school football and jumping to the NFL. Okay, <laughs> so I, I have to favor Lomachenko. There's going to absolutely be scary moments for him. Lopez might even drop him and hurt him at some point. I can't wait to see it, but I have to favor early on Lomachenko by decision. 31 years old versus 22. I cannot wait if that fight happens in April. Okay, last topic. Fury is going to spar with Anthony Joshua because Joshua wants Fury to win because Wilder's a more difficult guy to get to sign the contract to unify the belts. Have you seen something like this before in boxing? (laughs) Uh, Well, we don't know. It hasn't been confirmed yet. So they've talked about it on social media, okay? But if they do it, I think that's awesome. I think it's great. I think it hypes up the fight even more. I agree with you that part of it is that uh, Joshua would love to see Wilder knocked off because Wilder is a threat with that big right hand, but also from a financial standpoint and from uh, the standpoint of being able to make a big fight, Fury's from the UK, AJ's yep. from the UK. Joshua's already done 90,000 at Wembley when he fought Klitschko. A fight between him and Tyson Fury, oh. I, who knows? It'd be insane <laughs> over there, right? Uh, and they could probably have a series, a two- or three-fight series, the two of them. That would just do insane numbers. It might even blow away Mayweather-Pacquiao in terms of some of the numbers. Mm. So um, all those are possibilities. But, yeah, we've seen things like this before. We, we've seen uh, certain fighters jump over to different camps or switch trainers. Um, but, again, I'll believe it when I see it. You know, Right now I see guys talking on social media. We get a lot of that these days. I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> Man, I, I think you're right, though. I, I, I talked about it earlier. I think from a financial business decision, this is brilliant because Fury versus Joshua in the U.K. would be, a, I mean, just ridiculous. And I'm not saying that Wilder versus Joshua wouldn't be big, but in, in terms of a European market, in terms of having the platform, I mean, that's just going to be it's going to be incredible. And I, I mean, in terms of Fury Wilder, too, coming up here in in February, I mean, Fury's the boxer, Wilder's the puncher. Who has a better shot at beating Joshua in your mind? You know, I, I probably would go with Wilder just because he has that right-hand bomb. And it, it's he, his last fight, he was pretty much being shut out. He lost just about every round against Luis Ortiz, <laughs> who I don't consider an elite-level heavyweight. I think he's in the top ten, but I wouldn't call him special. You know, he's not at that level. And he's in his 40s. So Wilder's not the best fundamental boxer, but all it takes is one shot. And we have seen Joshua get hurt before. Tyson Fury is not a power puncher. He's not a guy that overwhelms you with power. And, and Joshua is pretty fundamentally sound. He has a really good jab, and he showed a really good boxing IQ in his rematch against Andy Ruiz. He's still improving. So I actually think Wilder would have a better chance to win if he could land that big shot. You know, it comes to that. But in terms of Wilder and Fury and their rematch, that's what makes their rematch so intriguing because Fury could be winning the fight by shutout in the 10th round, and then one shot by Wilder could end it. So that's why everyone's going to be watching that one. Oh, 
2020 is going to be an unbelievable year for boxing. I cannot wait. Michael, thank you for the time. I really appreciate it. Love the conversation. Thanks, man. Let's do it again. That is Michael Montero on Twitter, at Montero on Boxing.